This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. It's all that same feeling that I have, that would he fill the void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream puffs at each other, maybe things instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. I'm jumping Jack Flash. Came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm going to drive. And I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that, you know, what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's O'Teal. And that's Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy Cuddy today. Uh, this, this is, this, this one will be, uh, this is easily one of the most important things I think I've ever, like, this was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It's really, really help powerful. A lot of people. It's going to help a lot of people. She helps a lot of people. She's been through some heavy stuff and, uh, man, I'm just so grateful to her for really opening up. She told us some stuff that she's never told anyone publicly before and uh, at at a sizable risk, an emotional risk, you know, and this is a person that speaks publicly 
thousands of times what she does for a living, you know? And wow, I don't even want to, I'm just going to say, just watch it. Everybody's going through stuff and she has some very profound, helpful things. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is an episode that was just iceberg after iceberg after iceberg that we could have spent hours and hours on. So we'll be having her back for sure. So I genuinely can't thank her enough for, for her vulnerability and her time. And, uh, please everybody like take a good listen and watch to this one. Cause it's, 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 it, you know, it hits a bullseye right yeah. down the middle. So thank you, Amy. Yeah. And, you know, Teal, thanks for, for inviting her on. Cause this was, this was important. So yeah, just everybody she, uh... take care of yourselves and each other and, Jesus, man, that's yeah. If this doesn't help you, well, it will help you, but it will definitely help someone you know, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. Please watch this podcast, please. Thank you, Amy, and thanks for everybody that listens and supports. We love you, and uh, we couldn't do this without you. And if you're enjoying, head over to com- comes a time patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod for bonus episodes. We'll be talking about this one over there for sure. And uh, we had a great community over there, and we're here on Osiris, home to great podcasts. You can head to osirispod.com. And uh, again, thank you so much to Amy, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Be good, be safe. Is that Joni Mitchell in the background? Oh yeah, it's a That's Jay a beautiful photo. picture. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, she just had a birthday, didn't she? Was her birthday like week? two days ago, or yeah, oh, not yeah, long maybe. ago? Really? Yeah, because all my friends—well, not all of my I mean, friends, but I feel people like that I follow. Mitchell's like the other half, half of my feed is you guys, and the other half of my feed is is Joni Mitchell, and I somehow <laughs> missed that. So yeah, We're really happy to have you. First. Thank you. Yeah, thanks oh, for having man. me. And and yeah, this sounds like so many great things to talk about. <laughs> for <Let's> sure. Dive <laughs> in. I I wanted to ask you because you know, a, man, it must have been almost ten years ago that Jess and I got onto your TED talk. I think it was about power poses. Or yep, it came out <clears> ten <throat> years ago last month. You what? It came out ten years ago in October. Last All right. Month. So. Oh wow. Yeah, I was congratulations. The, I was on the <laughs> nose pretty much. But um <clears throat> that you know, so we've been following you for a while and it still kind of trips both me and my wife out that like we can text you and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's so funny because I feel the same way. Because <laughs> you're such a big deadhead, you know. Oh yeah. I, my I, wife I, is like, you know, Amy Cuddy's a deadhead. I was like, no. <laughs> that that overlap in my world is awesome because it will be so unexpected. Like I'll be giving a talk to at a co- totally corporate event, and like, you know, five guys in suits will come up afterwards and be like, "So, what was your favorite show? What's your favorite song? What do you want to hear? Play next?" And you know, they want to talk about the dead, not what I just talked about for an hour. Of course. <laughs> so, I mean, I have like a Jerry sticker on the other side of my computer that's also always showing, so people are, you know. T- you gotta you gotta I'm throw the it. bat the bat signal out there so people well, can it's see a way it. Of connecting. It's funny, you know, I was talking to a friend about um about this. He's like, Well, why do you always wear this? I don't know if you can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my son has one too that 
we wear them together. It's funny. I was, when I had my, one of my knee surgeries, because I, I tore both my ACLs last year and I had three knee surgeries in the last year. And oh. as I'm going under, they're like, oh, we need to take your jewelry, you know, and they had already given me like a sedative. And I, I give up like my, my wedding ring. You can and, have the wedding ring, then, but no. They're like, they're like, we need this. I'm like, you can't take this. You can't take this. I need this. And they're like, we need to take it. And then, <laughs> and then when I was coming out from the surgery, I'm like very bothered, I think, by the anesthesia. And and I I I was like, I started saying, the anesthesiologist was very terse with me. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. He wanted to take my, my, my steely necklace. He was very terse. He was very terse. I don't terse. know. I remember coming out from <laughs> yeah. anesthesia. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be a joke. Oh, Teal, do that. you remember I was telling you about when I went to the dent? I had to have dental work done and I listened to music 
anytime yeah, I can it. just because I, I get antsy. And I was listening to that Pacific Northwest 73, 74 collection that just came out and it was that bird song. And uh-huh. I stopped the dentist. I went, wait, 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 like they're in my mouth. And I go, you guys got to hear this. Cause like the <laughs> anesthesia. <laughs> This is just... my life. I love this. <laughs> and they're like, we can't hear. I'm like, oh, this jam is great. But meanwhile, I'm like all numb and like drooling that all over everything. So good. <laughs> I, yeah, I had it. I had an MRI once that was an hour and a half long, and they're like, what do you want to listen to? And I'm like, the dead. Just yeah, an hour and a yeah. half. I was completely oh, yeah. unfussed the whole time. Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I really wanted to talk to you about. Other things. No, no. <laughs> Anesthesia and dead jams. They're, this they're all like related. Podcast. Actually, it's super related because I would think I wanted to talk to you about your car accident when you were 19. Like after that, I wouldn't want to go to the doctor again for anything. Like after, mm-hmm. although I guess it could be the opposite. You'd be like, well, after mm-hmm. what I came through, ACLs are no big deal. But oh, yeah. What was that? Well, tell me about the car accident first and then yeah. how it was coming back from that. You know, what's funny, OTL, you, you don't remember this and I don't, I, there's no reason why you would, but I actually met you not long after my car accident. Really? Yeah. When you were 19? I, no, I was 20. And 20, sorry. But I, I remember, well, I was 19 when I had the accident, but I was 20 when I met you. I remember my hair was like this long because I had had to cut a lot of my hair off, but you were playing... Um, an aquarium rescue unit show at the Fox theater in Boulder. And my friend Rebecca and I gave you a ride home in her pickup truck. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. What year was this? Wow. Like, well, it would have been like it was early nineties. So. Wow. I don't know what year that whole time is vague for me before and yeah. after. So you lose like a bit before and a bit after usually when you have a head injury like that. But I, Whenever, when, when would that have been for you? So not 90. So this was with when Colonel Bruce was still in the band. Yes. I would say it was 92. It would have to be 92 or 93. I do. I remember a girl named Rebecca. Long red hair. She was from Alabama. Yeah. And I lived in Alabama. Okay. All right. I lived in Birmingham, Alabama. That's where she was from. I think you knew some common people too. Yeah. Probably so, Jeep and a bunch. Wow. So we did meet that? then. Yeah. And you stayed at that little motel that was like at the bottom. It's called oh. something else now, but it was like this little motel. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Right it's off the of campus. Exactly. And we drove you home in her pickup truck that had big like <laughs> flowers with female signs on the side, painted, hand painted on the side of it. <laughs> oh, God. Her last name just went. It's her so name. close. It's Rebecca so... Dunn is my, was my friend. Yeah. Rebecca Dunn. Oh, wow. That's so crazy. We met back then. That happens to me now. I'll be talking to people many, many years later and I'll be talking about the first time I met him. And they're like, actually, I met like with Thundercat. I met him when he was 12 at a NAMM show. And I was like, oh, oh really? I didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. He told me, he's like, I've already met you. I was like, when? How did I miss that? He's like, well, I was 12. I was like, oh, that's how I missed it. <laughs> that's cool. So we had we had already it was fate had already crossed our lines. That yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Wow, and this wild. was right after the car accident, or it was like a year to- after I had just come back to school. So I was, you know, I I had taken a year off and had just come back to school. And interestingly, Rebecca was the friend who was driving when we had the car accident, but we remained Whoa. very, very close friends. She. 
So what wow. happened was we were driving from Missoula, Montana to Boulder well, overnight. Yeah. We were trying, we had gone up there. We were doing, we, we had, we were working with this organization called the Student Environmental Action Coalition as grassroots organizers. And um, we were working with students at the University of Montana. We had planned a big conference in Boulder and we were driving back and trying to get back overnight for like an 8 a.m. class. And it's like 14 hours. Like, so we left at six, you know, at PM the night before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we had, we were taking shifts and Rebecca had the last shift. We were in a Jeep Cherokee, an old one, and the seats were down in the back. So whoever, one person would be driving, one person would be keeping the other person awake in the front seat. And yeah. then the other person would be sleeping in a sleeping bag. And I was first shift driving and sleeping in the last shift. So it was like three in the morning. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, wait. No, how it is. Sorry. The yeah, we can edit. No, it's fine. Um, so it was like three in the morning and um, and she the uh, the passenger fell asleep, also a good friend and and Rebecca fell asleep and oh, and just hit sort of like hit the rumble strips as she was sort of veering off the road and that woke her up and she overcorrected. So we flipped one and a half times. Oh, wow. And but it was the middle of Wyoming, the middle of the night. There was nothing, no cell phones. I got thrown very far out of the car, beyond the car. Whoa. And they had their seatbelts on, thank God, and landed upside down, but uninjured. One of the, the passenger cut his hand and that was it. And wow. which is unbelievable because she, you know, she says we were going at least 80 and probably 90 because it, it's Wyoming. It's like, the, you know, the speed limit is really high. And it was and it's three in the morning. Yeah. And so. I got thrown out and and stayed in the sleeping bag somehow. So I got thrown out sideways. And like and, and when you look at the car, we've looked at like the we don't even understand how it how I got out because yeah. I seem to go out sideways, but the way the doors are it, yeah. And and the back of the car was flattened because the front had roll bars and the back didn't. And so uh, it's really good that I got thrown out, but I stayed in the sleeping bag. My head just really hit the hit the highway, like kind of grazed the highway. Like I, so it's all like I've had a lot of I lost a lot of skin scalp here. Oh, and um, and I was, oh, you know, it was a head injury. So I was bleeding terribly and I was completely unconscious. And, you know, it, I, I feel so much for her because she thought she had killed me, yeah. you know, and they probably and thought you were dead lying there. She did. And she thought she had done that. You know, she was yeah. my roommate and one of my best friends. And, and, you know, these are wonderful people. I don't, I don't blame them at all. You know, she, yeah. she was always the one who had the spine to take the last shift, right? She, she was super tough. And, uh, and it took about 20 minutes, no cell phones until somebody drove by and it was a trucker who who called in on his radio. Thank God he had that radio. Yeah, I know. Wow. And, but they had to wait. I just think about those twenty minutes often, and what that was like for yeah. her to not and know. It probably was longer than that for that for somebody for the, to actually for the get, to, to get there. But just for them to be alone, it's like out of a, a David Lynch movie or something. Yeah, really. You That's know? what. I, yeah. Were you unconscious the whole twenty minute? Like, were yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. 
So, uh, wow. and then I, you know, I was in the hospital for a long time. So they, I think I, I think I was in Cheyenne for, at first, and then they moved me to Boulder and Boulder actually has a kind <laughs> of head injury rehab unit because there are a lot of ski and climbing right. head injuries. Makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of people in that unit with me were not, who were young people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, and it just, I then had to, that was in February of my second year of college. I had to withdraw, obviously. I mean, I, just, I was withdrawn and they, my doctors said, you know, you're, you are going to be high functioning, but you're going to have trouble finishing college. And, wow. um, you, you know, you probably won't finish college. And, I also knew, I learned that my IQ had gone down by 30 points, which is a lot. I, I you know, that's I'm a psychologist a now, and that's two standard deviations. That's a huge number. I knew my IQ because I had been in the gifted program as a kid. And it was one of those things that I felt was immutable. Like, like I could, other things would change about me as I grew up, but I would always be smart. Even if I, if I were messing around, like, well, um, following a little band called the dead, (laughs) no matter what I do smart. And it, it really, really shook me to the core. And I, and uh, you know, the the thing about the the IQ test that people don't know is that it's not so fixed. You can study for the IQ. You can get better at it. You, you you know, there's enormous amount of bias in it. Like I remember being asked some question of there's some IQ question, a definition that, had to do with like um, um, yachts or something. And I was like, I don't know. Like <laughs> in Amish country, you know, I don't know what that thing is. Yeah. But like, that should not affect how so you took the, you took you the, are. you took the Cape Cod version of the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I, it, I tried to go back to school twice. Um, that was one of the signs I met UOTL. Like it was during one of those stints. And then, um, and then on the third try, it kind of took, but I kept having to drop out. I could not process spoken information, reading. It was like looking at, you know, just, well, the way a page looked at, at 20 with a head injury was about the way it looks at 50 with my vision. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually physically, like, like, do you mean that literally? Like it was physically blurry to see? It, it just didn't, it seemed scrambled. Wow. Yeah. So I, I did eventually, it's funny because people, I, I, you know, if you ever Google your name and see what people look for, well, first of all, if you're a woman and you have any level of fame, I'll tell you what the first few things will be as you, when you first have some level of, of, of fame, bikini and feet, which is (laughs) so creepy. Right. Then they get over that. We always joke that my husband would put a picture of his feet and like we would like put in the metadata like Amy Cuddy feet, you know, <laughs> and they get over it. But, like, are you put the hobbit's feet in there. Put a big old yeah. hobbit. Um, Just muddy socks. Then it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow. Like that, that is crazy. Like, but 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 then it then it became like Amy Cuddy IQ or Amy Cuddy, you know, IQ today, like, oh, why? Anyway, but the truth is I needed to know too. And I did 
a few years later, retake it. And it was almost up to where it had been before. So I did recover. And, and you know, I was 19. My There's a lot of brain plasticity that was serving me. And, yeah. and I was working hard. But I didn't graduate from college until 98. And I would have graduated in 94. I graduated from high school yeah. in 90. So yeah, I, yeah. it took me four extra years to finish school. Well, we've always... You go ahead, Mike. No, I wanted to ask about like that when you said you were working on it and, you know, like if you sustain an injury, obviously there's atrophy to the muscles and the the area and, and you could actually, you know, see and feel a difference. Um, and you have to do that rehabilitation and recovery. What was that like? Were you able to, like, did you have a regiment of like trying to focus harder? I'm, I'm just trying to visualize at 19 or 20, like looking at a piece of paper and it being so blurry, like how, what a frustration it was so and what frustrating. a cause of anxiety I, that must've been. Oh God, I was, I mean, I, I always tend toward anxiety, right? So that just made that so much worse. Right. Um, I, you know, I tried, like I, I did a lot of reading about, about learning, but I really feel, you know, I listened to Mozart a lot. There was the whole Mozart right. makes you smarter. And then there was the, no, it doesn't. And then the actually, no, there's <laughs> something about the rhythm that, that, that does facilitate learning. Um, I, I really had to relearn to learn. And that, that was strange because I never thought about learning how I learned. It just worked. Yeah. Right. And now I had to think about it. I took notes very neatly and cleanly by hand. Like I realized that writing, physically writing, the act of writing really helped me remember things like the notes from college. My notebooks are I saved because they're they're I had people would be like, you don't have to write everything down. You can just, you know, get like I do. I have to yeah. write everything down, things like that. But the big part of it, it's not just the cognition. It was the emotion. My friends would tell me, my high school friends, who I'm still so, I, I have such great high school and college friends. And and it's all, honestly, we all are are linked around music. You know, that's it was our love yeah. of music. And you know, that it brings people together in a different way. But some of them would say, you're not the same person. And that's, uh -huh. oh, God. Yeah, that's painful. Because I'd say, well, how? How? Because I, I didn't even know what they meant. Uh -huh. And so I felt like I had to break up with this former version of myself before knowing if there was another version of myself out there. So it's sort of like when you're in a not great relationship, but it's not terrible and you know you got to break up but you really have no idea if there's a better match for you out there. I was like breaking up with that old self before I knew wow. if there was another self. Ugh. I still think at the core, I am very much, there's a kernel in there. There's like a, that is just absolutely Amy and it's never going anywhere. But, you know, I, I understand. I probably reacted different, differently emotionally to things. It, it, they, you know, at that mm -hmm. age, your friends are kind of scared when you're, having a trauma response to something. So a lot of it, I think was also just, they're not knowing how to handle my anxiety, my, um, yeah. confusion. Yeah. Oh man, that's a lot. And then when you're already kind of geared towards anxiety and then yeah. it's, it's an interesting thing. I think about it quite a bit where it's like, you know, sometimes anxiety is a cloud that's far, that's, that's a, a distance away and you go, I see it. I acknowledge it and I know to kind of stay away from there or put a raincoat on. And sometimes yeah. it's just a fog that engulfs you. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah. we're in it now and got to try yeah. to 
weather the storm and find my way out. And that's a, that's a hard place to be. And it lasts a long time. Sometimes it's oh, like years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've and been, if people don't get it, then they don't, it's hard to explain that. It really is. And you know, it's, I'm writing this book on bullying now on adult bullying and bravery and bystander behavior. And, and people who haven't been through being bullied, you know, or, or experiencing trauma, that kind of relational trauma, they really don't get it. And it's that empathy gap is tough. Yeah. It's, and you, you know, you, you, you lose friendships over those things. You know, if, 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 yeah. if people really can't understand the reality of your experience and I, I don't like the, my truth thing, it's not my truth. It's just yeah. the, it's the truth. Right. <laughs> it's, right. yeah. it's what happened and, and it's how it feels. And yeah, that empathy gap is, it makes me really sad because I, I know, I know psychological struggle. Like I, I know it personally, not just because I'm a psychologist, I know it. And I, I am, I am not standing in judgment of people who, who are struggling. Like I, you know, people who are like, why, why can't they just do this? The, why can't they just anything that starts with why can't they just, it's like, stop there. Yeah. This doesn't work that way. That's That's an excellent point. Right. You need more information about a person to understand why they can't just. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, do you, if, if anyone ever actually said like, why can't you be calmer? Why can't you be more trusting? Why can't it be like, do you think I choose? Do you think I choose to think that the floor is going to fall out from under me at any moment? Do you think that I've don't want to like, I would love to trust. I would right. love to have no fear. I would like, I mean, that's amazing if that was the case. So it's funny when people go, why can't you just, or I always love the people that go just relax. Oh, and it's like, no. oh, why didn't I think of that? This is absolutely, well, it's funny because, you know, there was the whole keep calm phase, right? That me, like, like yeah. seven years ago, I feel like everything was keep calm and blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And as a psychologist, I can tell you that absolutely backfires. And one of my favorite studies in psychology um, looked exactly at, you know, how how does that apply to stage fright? So it was actually done by a um, a a colleague of mine at, at, at Harvard Business School named Allison Woodbrooks, who had been a wedding singer before um, grad school. Wow. And she has no stage fright. She is just like, put oh. me up on stage and I'm great. And so she she really had that empathy gap. She was like, why are all my students afraid to speak or why are they? And so she started <laughs> studying it and she you know, she had it said, why can't they just do this? Why can't they just keep calm? And she realized that the problem is that, so I got to set my, my Althea cup here down. Because <laughs> nice. um, I have to, I have to use my hands to describe this. All right. So emotion at, at a sort of simple level, people think of it as, you know, on this continuum from negative to positive. But there's another dimension that really matters, and that's arousal level. So some emotions are very low arousal, like depression and calm. Uh, hmm. And some are very high arousal, like anxiety and excitement. And the thing is, it's very hard to change the arousal level because it's your nervous system telling you something is going on, something um, you know that you need to be vigilant about, whether it's good or bad. The positive negative part is easier to change cognitively. You can say maybe I'm, and so what Allison studied was whether you could change 
anxiety to excitement. And so mm. she had people say um, before they went, uh, she did, sorry, she did this sort of, um, what was the, like the, the, the video game where you'd sing, I can't rock band. Karaoke. Yeah, oh. you know, like that where you'd get points for singing well or not, or, or playing guitar. Oh, it's escaping. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it right now. God, it, was, it, was like, it has like, a little <laughs> guitar, toy guitar yeah, thing. Yeah. Anyway. So she had them do sing as a sort of competition, but they were randomly assigned to one of three conditions. In one, they said, I am excited. In one, they said, I am anxious. And in another one, they said, I am, I'm calm. And the one that the, the ones that performed the, the best were the ones who said, I am excited. So basically they reframed their anxiety as excitement. Calm did not help them. When you say I'm calm mm -hmm. and you're not calm, all it does is makes you meta aware that you're not calm and it mm -hmm. makes you more anxious, right? So then you're like, shit, I am definitely not calm. Oh my God, it must be really bad, right? But if you say, wait, maybe I'm excited, Maybe this isn't anxiety. Maybe I'm excited to go on stage. That's what works. And that study, she she did that in singing competitions, in debate competitions, before math exams, all kinds of stuff. This is one of my oh. son's favorite tricks now. Oh, that sounds awesome. I, I love that. So that's my best stage fright advice. Well, actually, I have two. Can I? Sorry, I'm all over the place. Please keep going. Okay. Yeah. The one and one is that the other is because people say, how do you, cause I love speaking and I don't get nervous. I can, it could be, you know, 50,000 people and it just doesn't, it doesn't rattle me. I love it. And, um, the other one though, cause it's something that I had to learn was to trust that people want you to do well. Yeah. When you go out there, they're not there wanting to see you fail even if a couple are most of the vast majority are there to learn to be moved and you know they they want they want to experience that joy with you you know they they want to have that ecstatic collective experience and and so i trust the audience i trust that they want me to do well and when you give them trust you get it right back and it creates a kind of magic i think and certainly i mean absolutely the same for music and that for actually for my son jonah <laughs> it's funny in the beginning of his first year and he's a he's a good guitar player he would he would, he is so modest. He'd be like, mom, don't say that. He's really good. But he, uh, he would get, he's, he said to, to me, he's like, I think I have paralyzing stage fright. This was his first year at Berkeley college of music. I'm like, Oh shit, this is going to be a problem. But then I told him my two tricks like a week later, he's like, I'm good. I'm fine. So wow, that fast? Fast, the trusting, well, it, it was also like getting out there and doing it and realizing that people do want you to do well. You know, hey, I've been doing it since I was five and yeah. it hasn't gone away one bit, but does I'm going to try when, this when you're you on know. like he's I shouldn't say he's he 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 still feels very anxious before walking on. But once he's there, yeah. he's fine. And before he felt that really tensed up when he would go on stage, yeah. like, why couldn't I rip that solo the way I did when I was practicing? You know, yeah. and now he feels much more relaxed. I'm it's good a, about two songs in. Yeah, that makes sense too. Like, right, I always right. know I don't need a clock. Like my stomach just knots up a couple yeah. hours before I have to go on. You know, well, and, uh, it sucks, yeah. man. I've I'm noticed sorry. 
I've noticed too, it's like the, the hardest way to go on stage is from silence. So if you're standing on the side of the stage and you're not conversing with anybody or talking with anybody, and then your name gets called and you have to go out there, that to me is the oh. worst case scenario. But if I can like be chatting with a stagehand or a buddy or anybody Absolutely. right off stage and then go out, I feel like a whole different energy. I'm like coming out of a conversation and I'm like, let's do it. And that feels great. I love that. And that, that's actually, that's funny. Cause that's another one I've been thinking about that hasn't been tested, but I, I try to arrive early. Um, if I'm giving a talk to a big audience and the people who get there early are the ones who really want to see you. And so I meet them, I go introduce myself to them and I chat with them. And so then when I'm speaking, I can be looking at them and they're like, so with you then they're nodding along and yeah. until i noticed that you know in this last for this last tour you were doing a lot of these um th these these pre these uh twitter uh, not twitter uh, instagram lives oh yeah or shows and i was like that's that's the same kind of thing in a way because we're you know well i was actually physically at most of the shows but a lot of people <laughs> are watching them and you're connecting with your fans like you're connecting with them before you go out and and they are loving that and so yeah. i'm wondering does that help at all not at all it's funny uh -huh. but the, you know my thing is it's a mental <clears throat> sorry for all my sneezing and coughing no, 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 and please spitting um my thing is that i know i have had some really good nights and those are the nights that become legendary or whatever like O'Teal is that great but i'm not that great every night and so sometimes i feel way less of whatever I, you know it's all in here so it's like um i'm always going to be judged at this height and maybe it's going to be here tonight and that and uh and i feel bad about that in advance of the disappointment, oh, which is just geez. like, wow. you know, it's okay. all a lie. And I know like now a lot of times I'll just sit and I can't call it meditating. Cause I only get about five or 10 minutes, but I'll be actually be on stage and I'll just block everything out. Cause the energy of 20 to 40,000 people just, I can't not feel it. Of course. The same reason I can't be in New York longer i hate to be in new york any longer than a week oh yeah i need to get out it's me just too. too much energy and i know they're all pulling for me and i know all that and then my my little critic goes yeah but you you don't feel like the best night tonight do you, you know but i love this thing about what you're that you can trick yourself yeah it's almost like the power poses too. I can say, it, it I'm not anxious. I'm, I'm excited. That's exactly I'm right. I'm really intrigued to try that because I, I know that. you can trick yourself, but I haven't tried that one yet. That's you know? why. And it's, it's things, the whole, it's, it's, by the way, what you were just describing, I would call borrowing trouble from the future. Yes. Uh, it's like <laughs> that. My favorite, our favorite quote, expectations are premeditated resentments. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly. Yeah. But the, the, both the, the expansive posture, you know, tricking your nervous system into feeling that you actually are in control, that you're safe is very similar to telling yourself, actually, this is excitement and not anxiety. 
It's the same it, yeah. it, in a way. It's it's very likely the same nervous system mechanism. That's yeah. and that's why self talk in the old fashioned like the, I don't know if you remember the old um, Stuart Small, Smalley sketches. Oh, I love it enough. I'm smart and enough. Smart and doggone it, people like me. And that's yeah. okay. And that's okay. <laughs> and, but then he'd be like, and now I'm in a shame spiral. Like by the end. <laughs> And, and so, and everyone hates me and I'll never be loved. And, you know, I and love, I love that sketch. Oh, me too, it man. captures exactly why self-talk doesn't work. So the classic, I'm great. I'm actually great. You're like, no, I'm not. I feel terrible. But, but, <laughs> exactly. But, right. That's, I felt like that was one of the most genius SNL sketches. Yeah, sure. and, and as a psychologist, I'm like, exactly that that's why you know that doesn't work now if you are doing well and feeling if you're in a good state of mind so like if, if you're you know Michaela Schifrin and you're about to ski and you're like having an on day saying I'm awesome that works but if you feel terrible and you say I'm awesome you're like I'm not awesome and now you're fighting with yourself you're like you're a yeah. liar too you're also yep. a liar not only you're not awesome you're a liar you know? so you've broken trust with yourself it's so funny the way that we kind of like the survival comes into play where if you have, if you don't have the tricks, you almost kind of like conjure them up. You know, like I remember for a while, I, if I had anxiety, I would have double, literally double anxiety because my first anxiety was there. And then my second one was like, everyone can, can everyone tell I'm anxious? So it yeah. was like, Oh, exactly. Not it's only am I anxious, but I'm now I'm anxious about being anxious because right. I don't know. So what I decided to try was just to say out loud, literally, like I'm feeling anxious right now. And it yeah. cut the anxiety in half. That definitely helps. To because then it's like, I said I'm, it. I'm, I said it. I'm owning it. I'm, I'm accepting the reality of this moment. Yeah, it's like either pass out or say yeah. it. And you know, or run. <laughs> right. I, I, had run. A, I had a, I was giving a talk once at the University of Chicago, which is, I don't know if you know, like the, the unofficial slogan of the University of Chicago is where fun goes to die. And they're like, <laughs> proud of that, right? Wow. And I was at the time a professor at Northwestern, which is also a great school in Chicago, but like Northwestern is known as this friendly place. And everyone had warned me that the Chicago audience is terrible. Like they're so mean. And it was like worse even than I thought. And there was a guy in the wow. front who had a monocle and he would like go be like, can you go back a slide? And he'd look at it and he'd go, and then he'd start laughing. Oh, and I was wow. like, I'm going to die. You know, and and academic talks are 90 minutes, 90 yeah. minutes, right? And and so an yeah. hour in, I remember like my mouth had gone completely dry. Like I'm sweating bullets. And I was holding on to the lectern. And I looked up at the clock and I thought, I'm going to go. I'm just going to leave. I'm like, I'm going to run out. I'm, and I, all this went through my mind. I'm like, my career is going to be over for sure. I don't care. It's That's worth okay. it. And I like just about did it. And then another guy in the audience sort of like gave me a reassuring expression. And I, I got through it. It was not good, but I got through it. And I'm so glad I didn't run. But I definitely had the absolute, um, you know, can't faint. Yeah. I am now frozen. So so it's fight, flee or freeze. Fight. Yeah. Fight, flee or freeze. You know, yeah. I can't fight. I can't. 
I can't, I, I don't know. I can't, yeah. I, what do I do? I Actually, I guess I did fight it out in a way. I got through it. But. In a way. And I think those are good for us in retrospect. It's like, I realized uh, when I watch young people have a job that they just hate and I switch from feeling bad for them to remembering when I had that job and that was the job that let me know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I had to be a musician. Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever, however bad it is being a musician, it can't be this bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so some of those times were like, like when we had Amy Helm on, um, <laughs> she was at this crossroads moment where her dad, Levon, like put her on the spot and said, look, you know, you should be a musician. Like, I'm just going to shove you out of the nest here and you start flapping. And I think she said she went to Memphis, was it, Mike? I believe so. Yeah, I think that's when she went there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so they're doing this show in Memphis. So all these Memphis legends come out because of Levon and she's up there and now she's like used to doing her thing, you know, but something happened. I think it was a mystical thing that was a blessing to her in hindsight um, where she got like a quarter like a half step off key or something and couldn't get back in. And she's with like all these great singers like on stage or in the audience. And it was just like totally ego crushing, Oh, you know, and what happened? just like, well, it was like, like my, one of my biggest mentors, Colonel Bruce used to say when we, it wasn't often, but some nights, you know, where you can't do anything right. It's just everything. Yeah. It's just the worst. Or you're you're playing great, and the crowd is just like, they're not feeling it. And he goes, well, I'm glad that happened. I'm like, you're glad? He goes, well, what are the odds of that happening again tomorrow? Or That's even for the next six months? Get it out He's of like, the way. you have to have oh, those. True. It's the, the, you know, you can't inhale all the time. The sun can't be out all the time. It has to go down. So when you have that really bad thing and then, okay, like the next day you're like, well, I'm still alive. Yeah. You're going to your next show. That's probably not going to happen that same way again. Mm. So that's true. either way, it's like if it's just the odds or if it teaches you like, okay, I got through that. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wolf. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smart Wool. Go far, feel good. That's so true. And also know that if that's happening, I'm in the pit taking names. That moment you describe, Amy, is like such a, like if for people who haven't, I'm getting like shaky and like just listening to the moment because I know that, that I moment a anxious you have no, like people don't understand that each second, like you're telling this story and you're explaining that in your head, you're going, well, my career's over. I should just run, <laughs> hold on to the thing and don't pass out. Meanwhile, 
you're you're presenting all of this is going on behind you know and like in born standing up steve martin in the acknowledge in the the intro talks about it perfectly how a stand-up comic is delivering one joke thinking about how the last one went and thinking about what the next one's going to be all while trying to so it's like they called it the ego's last stand so basically like to be in that moment and you're outwardly giving a presentation and inside you're going, well, I can always start a, you know, a, a bakery or a landscaping company when this ends, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of like, it's over that moment of like, you're in the most present, but it's also so terrifying. It is. And it can be, I know, you know, it's funny in the beginning of my book, I talk about, I mean, the, my form, my last book, not the one I'm working on now, I do tell a story about being at a conference as a grad student and, and it's my last year and I'm supposed to have an elevator pitch. And I literally get into an elevator with these three guys in my field who are like giants and they, they, you know, and my tag just says like graduate student, you know, and they don't even need tags. And I get in and, uh, and one of them goes, we're in an elevator, give us your pitch. And it was like, I think I said, I study, and everything else after that was just gone. Like it was just, it was a disaster. And I'm going in this elevator ride, which it's funny. I remember is going to the 20th floor and my friend Elizabeth said it was the fourth floor, but I, I <laughs> my whole life in class. I, I, I was going, it's okay. I, I'm going to move to Vermont. I'll be an organic farmer's fine. I, I always want to do that. I don't have to be a professor. And, and I get to the top and two of the guys, as the elevator doors open, they flee so fast. They're like, oh, I mean, they knew it was bad. The one who had goaded me to give the pitch goes, he steps out of the elevator. I'm still in. That's how like shut down I was. And he goes, as the doors are closing, he goes, that was the worst elevator pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> Door closes. I mean, wow. it truly is worst case scenario. But the thing is, guess what? I'm still here. That's right. right. I I survived. I was not able to be present at that conference in my mind because I wanted a kind of rom-com style do-over, you know, where you like get in the elevator again and do it great the second time, but you don't really get those. (laughs) Now you like, you run them down, you're in a cab with them and you're like, just one more time, just one more time. Exactly. And they're like, nailed it. Didn't nail it. Can I, but it's like making mistakes on the, on the bandstand. We go, well, when we're like, when we're learning a new song, right. And we go over it in rehearsal. You hope you go over it until you get it all right. One time, at least in rehearsal. And then you go right. on and, and right. inevitably you mess up at this one spot. Someone messes up in another spot. And I always, am like, that's fine. Because if I make a mistake the next time, it won't be in that spot. Right. You right. know what I mean? So you kind of yeah, like exactly, your errors exactly. are good because then you error. Correct. You know, mm-hmm. That's well, that's good. And also, you know, I remember Patrice O'Neill had a saying that was said, killing is easy, meaning that like if you're always doing phenomenal, then you're doing something wrong because yeah. then it's like you're kind of maybe on autopilot and you're not trying new stuff and you're not that's going right. back into the, if you're just staying in the shallow end because, you know, a, a bit yeah. works. So, thing is, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's go ahead. Yeah, that's I. so I think about that. Like you have to make that's errors right. to well, learn. Because I think there's also something that goes beyond that. And it's that people actually want your you to be human and real. Yes. They want an authentic connection. And so people like mistakes. 
they like so if you if you, like i've got to tell you that there was a i don't know if you remember um uh gillette <laughs> um 2019 box of rain um you guys restarted <laughs> because i think john forgot the lyrics or something like it, we were up front. oh yeah anyway, actually it, i think the teleprompter went out right so there was a but it was his face was so apologetic. I happened to miraculously be in the front row, which truly wow. is a miracle. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, and we could really see him. I was with Jonah, too, who, by the way, our dog is named Mayor. Um, and, <laughs> How cool. <laughs> um, so we're, we're watching his face and he just looked crushed. And he yeah. said he mouthed like I'm sorry, or something like that. And people, I mean, our hearts were swelling for for all of you. Like, like it doesn't, nobody was like, oh, what a letdown. People were like, we love you guys so much more now. We yes. got to see yep. a human moment of mistake because we're not seeing the mistakes that you're, that you're seeing. But when we do yeah. see one, it makes you feel so human. And, and we're, we're like family. We love you even more. And so the, the people want an experience that's never happened before and that will never happen again. So people love to be like, I was at that show with pride. Like, what an awesome yeah. show. Remember Dead that? Heads, deadheads are the only ones like that. They're not. They're I not. I, don't I mean, know. as far as music, you know, I know people in general like that. To, and I, I guess the other styles of music, it's true, but I, I I it's definitely more pronounced with deadheads because like, you know, if Jerry or somebody or Bob or whatever, it just like the crowd cheers are like, ah, yeah, I know. You're I know. like, okay, that's not the reaction I was expecting. It's cool because they owned it. They owned it the whole time too. Like any interview with them, they go like, tell me about Woodstock and Jerry and them would laugh oh, and yeah, go, we always yeah. blow it at the big ones. We yeah. always, blow, you know, and yeah. it's just so neat to like, yeah, they're, they're misfit power, you know, and all that. And they earn it and own it. And it's that, that's kind of freeing as a, to I watch the people you love so much. To own it for be sure. Be okay with mistakes. <laughs> yeah. okay with mistakes. But I think they're, I don't think, you know, as, <laughs> Oh, too, you are actually playing shows, so you don't get it's funny. I've no, I'm noticing already with my son, he plays more now than he gets to go see, but I get oh, to yeah. see a ton of shows, so yeah. I get to see a lot of other sh musicians too. And I can tell you that I think it's a universal experience. I, I think I'm glad to hear that. Those because, like, I, well, here's one other one Ray LaMontagne. This was like love him, love him too. Like yeah. seven, eight years ago, he is you know, he is famously so shy you know, yeah. so, so private and shy and doesn't talk much at all on stage in a different way. Not, not in the same way that the dead, you know, that you guys don't talk on stage. This is like, he, he's too afraid to talk, but he had started a song and he had just gotten this horrible, I think, Rolling Stone review. And it was really bugging uh. him. And he just, he started the song and he stopped and he goes, you know what? And sorry, you might have to bleep this out. No, okay. Fuck Rolling Stone. <laughs> and people were like, what's going on? But then he was just like, fuck those guys. And then he started again. And it was like he had this ghost, you know, and he just had to say, I got to get rid of this. Like, this is haunting yeah. me at the show. And people loved that they got to see that moment. They yeah. loved it. They loved when he started a song. And I'm sorry. I feel bad saying that because he's like such a nice guy. No, 
Rolling Stones complicated, you know, complicated place in my heart, but um, I get it. <laughs> to get that monkey off his back. Exactly. I guess exactly. I come from playing jazz or, you know, and classical, even in the early days where, you know, mistakes are like, ah, you're full of it. You're not ready yet. Go away. Come back when you're ready. You yeah. know, it's like a super harsh judgment. Yeah. Like, you know, and uh, which is funny because in improvised music, you're also challenged to go out to where you can make mistakes. Like, you know, so a lot of it you have to balance. It's like how much of this is in my head? How much am I projecting onto them? thinking yeah. I suck yeah. or if I make a mistake, you know, although I have gotten it legitimately sometimes, but, um, with, with the dead, you know, it's, it was so cool because like coming out of the acid tests, they were like, you know, we weren't, uh, obligated to perform well at all or even perform. Like if we were tripping too hard, we could just stop. Right. Yeah. It, was a, you it know, was a different, the goal was different. The philosophy right. from right. the get go was different. And that's such a beautiful thing. And a lot of the, the musics that I gravitated towards after my initial musical upbringing were like that. It was like, throw yourself off the cliff. And, you know, if you splat, it's fine. Yeah. Let's see if you splatted a different way this time than you splatted the last time. Like, it's all good. And I like that. I still want to do well, but, you know, it, which brings us to psychedelics, because I remember talking to uh, Kreutzmann when I first had the trio with him and Morawski. I've told this story a few times on the podcast, but he um, he used to do a little bit of acid every night. And at his age, I was like, dude, like every night, finally, I just had to ask him like every night. And he's like, well, it's just a little, I, it's microdose. I said, but every night he got, I said, why? He goes, because it removes judgment. So it's like, I think that is a, it's a convenient way for people to get, to break that cycle. But I really want to get there without it. Yeah. You know what? I, I want to remove uh, the judgment yeah, without it. I want to, I want to trick myself however kind of way you know it it's just, so uh, yeah funny that you said that because sorry going dark serious whatever now um, um and by the way um i don't know how long you guys have it's up to you mama Keep well, going. like I, my, my general schedule for life is how long is a dead show? I've got that long. So anyway, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I know I'm, we have I'm, how I'm, long I'm, is a dark star. That's what okay, we'll do. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, um, I, 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 but it is in those units. It's like at least, at least a full second set. Come on. Um, all right. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I have, definitely experienced a lot of trauma and and this is something that i've not talked about publicly yet um and that my heart is racing just but wow um well we appreciate you letting it out here i'm writing this book right on bullying that's a, a combination of memoir and 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 psychology like what 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 is happening like what why do people do this what's the yeah. anatomy of this and why do bystanders do nothing why do they why do they climb on the bandwagon how do they pop how do why is it that people take pleasure in others pain you know like what yeah. how can we be courageous socially you know i call it social bravery but 
and during my long period of being bullied by academics in my field, um, and which isn't totally over, but I'm definitely beyond the worst part of it. I, I twice was, um, in psychiatric wards because that's where, I mean, I wouldn't, both of those shouldn't probably have happened the way they did. There were other places I could have been. And one experience was much worse than the other, but something, you know, I, I did not want to live. Mm. I, I, I didn't, I just wanted to go to sleep and not wake up. You know, that's where I was. Wow. With it. And, um, and I was utterly demoralized. And I now know that that's the experience of being so badly bullied by people you once trusted. Yeah. It, 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 demoralization captures, it is, it is the breaking of a person's um, mind, heart, and spirit. It's stealing their hope there and, and, and putting them into a state of just confusion and incredulity. You're like, how is this happening? Where are the grownups? You know, yeah. and, and, and also I'm, I've been drained of everything. There's nothing left in me. There's nothing left. I remember the first time they put me into this lockdown kind of ward that I wasn't expecting to go to. And I sat there and I was in the hallway and it was like sometime between midnight and the witching hour. You know, I don't, I don't even know. And the orderly took my suitcase and uh, I didn't even care. I couldn't move. My f- hands were like lead weights in my wow. lap. I didn't care. And he, he came back and I, but in the meantime, I remember tears just, I wasn't crying or wailing or sobbing but I noticed these gigantic tears just like falling down my face, hitting the ground. I could hear them. And I thought, how is my body that's empty even making these tears? And yeah. I had no will to even swipe them. That was total, utter demoralization. And then he came back and I said, what w- What were you doing? And he said, I, I was looking for sharps. You can't have sharps in here. And I was like, I, oh. I had never heard the word sharp used as a noun. I said, what's a sharp? He's like, you know, something that you could use to hurt yourself, like a nail file or a mirror or, um, you know, or like the drawstring from your from your sweatpants or, or something like that or dental floss. And I remember thinking like sharps, I'm like, like, that's what I'm trying to get away from. Sharp tongues, sharp tweets, sharp, sharp um, sentiment, you know, um, I, I, I want to get. I just want dolls. I don't want any sharps, you know, (laughs) make sharps, confiscate all the sharps. Interestingly, the thing about having your dental floss taken away is that um, you quickly learn how to floss your hair with your teeth with hair. Like you Uh. up and anyway, um, there's the the silver lining. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. I'm getting to the, the point to, to where you, 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 to to where you were a minute ago or at 10 minutes ago, I, um, the way that, the way that psychiatric care 
works in these situations is is not all they all they're trying to do is keep you alive that's all they care about but once you're in there you are not human no one yeah. they don't see you as human it's it's like you're it's like a it's like a kids book where the animals can hear each other across species so the patients we hear each other doesn't matter if you're in here for this or this or this we hear each other and we mm. hear the staff but the staff can't hear us like we're just wow. speaking gibberish to them like that's how they hear us but we hear the words so we see each other as human and you exchange glances of sadness or empathy or um you know i don't not encouragement just understanding but the survival don't e yes but the staff don't see you so at the very moment when you've been the most dehumanized you're now further dehumanized yes Yes. And all they want to do is sedate you, really. Yeah. You know, like Ativan is like their fairy dust, right? They just want to sedate you. And and it that's not that's not what you need. You know, you 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 and so so I guess a couple of things. One is we absolutely need to find alternative ways that that are still evidence-based. I'm not I'm 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 yes. so for science. Yes. And it makes me sad that people are afraid of these possible other solutions that aren't dehumanizing and that give people back a sense of agency and power and control over their lives because that's what I need. I needed I need still to reinterpret what happened and yes. and, and I you know, make the story mine, not someone else's. And, and that is what some psychedelics can do. I think, especially with microdosing. but it's funny. My, um, my therapist said to me yesterday, we were talking about these two hospitalizations and I can't believe I'm saying all this because I have not talked about this, but I think I'm okay with this given the audience. Um, but she said, Amy, and by the way, th this is not one that has ever been a, like a drug that I've liked, but but I understand what she was saying. She's like, the weird thing about it is that, you know, I've seen other patients hospitalized, but there was something always in you that never, it was always there. Like you, you, it was like a lead weight or like, you know, something, there's this kernel in you that never moves. And even if you're going like this, like it's like you're, the balloon is going like this. You're tied to this lead weight that that gets you through these things. She, but she, and I always would end up having my own sort of makeshift therapy sessions with other patients. Like in the second time, which was in a much harsher, like urine stained for a Oh god. I mean, like, like, like it really was like prison. And they they said if you don't commit yourself we're going they were holding me down saying we're going to inject you i i knew my rights i was like i don't you know, they Whoa. didn't like that uh, well i'm just it's all tumbling out but basically the they were like we just want you to go talk to someone at this er and then they're like could you you know i and i explained i was just having a bad day and the 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 triage nurse said everyone has a bad day and then she's like, could you just come with me over here just to talk to it? And I thought, okay, well, this is like an ER, just like when I cut my finger cutting a bagel, like they, the triage nurse takes you to the next person. And she said, I just, you just need to go in there. And I, I knew that I was walking into a lockdown and, and I was, and I had begged them not to, I don't know why I stepped across the border. I think, I think I thought if I didn't, they'd think I was crazy. Like it, yeah. So I did. And 
I turned around, I looked at their faces and bam, the doors closed. And it was absolute chaos, chaos. I mean, I was begging an orderly. I tried to text my husband and orderly grabbed me by the wrist, literally took me to my knees, got the phone out of my hand. I had a bruise on my wrist. It was every time I said, I need, I'm allowed to talk to someone. I'm allowed to just, I was invisible, but by, by the like third day, you know, I'm in, I'm in this common room with with all these other people. It was, it was not a good situation, but like I was having my blood pressure taken at one point in the hall and this woman next to me just spat on my foot and like no one, (laughs) no one did anything. It was like, whatever. But I'm in this common room at the common table, like where we're like allowed to have snacks and watch TV and all the furniture is like plastic and bolted to the, and I just started talking to people and looking in their eyes and showing that I cared, you know, I just, I wasn't asking for private information. I was just connecting with these people around this long table. And then one of the therapists came in, I guess that some of them were supposed to go to group to a group session and they started going, we want group with Amy. We want group with Amy. And I'm like, I'm not a clinical psychologist. And they did not like that. Like, you Ooh. know, the staff didn't like that. But anyway, my therapist said, the funny thing about you, Amy, is that no matter what, there's you're almost like, you're, you're, you're like MDMA embodied. Like there's some part of you <laughs> that wants to connect yeah. with people and keep yeah. you alive and keeps you going, you know, it, you, even if it's that you want to fight for them, because then I'm like, well, I'm okay, but who's going to help these people? Yes. I've got an advocate. They've got no one outside. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's what yeah. would keep me going. Well, connection, you hit the nail on the head because <clears throat> I think connection is sanity. You know, my worst of my addiction, what do we do? If we isolate, we cut off all connection. Yes. <clears throat> right. And, and our, we had Stanley Krippner on and um, watching his interviews and talking to him and reading his books, I realized, yeah, this is the problem with psychology and psychiatry. It's all about behavior modification. Mm-hmm. It's not about fixing the problem yeah. and connection fixes the problem. Yes. So, you know, everybody knows, Mike, you've talked about it many times on the podcast, you know, like, or, or with me that about a therapist that doesn't care. They're just sitting there writing on their notepad. And, you know, it's like, are you, do you even care? Do you give a shit? Like that's the dehumanizing part. Yeah. And it's like that connection part is everything. And and if you can do that, that solves the problem. Not like, oh, this kid's got ADHD, give him pills. So he just sits in his cubicle and shut up and but you know it's like how about maybe this kid's different like connect with the kid maybe he doesn't have a problem right maybe the kid's wired differently yeah maybe you know the person that bullied you is the one with the problem and now they're grabbing your wrist right and taking you down like you're the one that's messed up it's like wait a minute or, or, I mean, and I, I think we're i think that i i'm hopeful that clinical models are moving away from um like things like addiction being just you know the, the, the disease model toward yeah. you know, their experiences of 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 
lack of connection or failed or broken or or abused connection in people's yeah. um, <laughs> lives. And that's that's like, can we please go to the root of these things rather than using the same, you know, um, template for everyone that it, it is almost always about lack of s- being seen yeah. or lack of lack of feeling safe. Right. So for kids, I mean, yeah. it, that that's it's demoralization. It's like, well, what else is there? I, I need, to but in a, in a, in a, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking in a discipline that doesn't acknowledge spirit that doesn't acknowledge. Uh, well, let's just say spirit. Yeah, because I always I, find there's like there's a connection between spirit and morals, like even the word demoralization. I know. Like where what does morality mean to a scientist? Mm. It doesn't even exist. Well, it, it is studied, right? but in a in a sort of um, yeah, they they like the word ethics more mm. uh, than morals. But how can you prove scientifically that? something is ethically good or bad and moral morality it's uh sorry it gets into, i know it's a lot it's a huge I, so can of words that i want to get into like like <clears throat> virtue signaling things like this right that that but yeah. but um no i but but back to the just the spirit piece there is there is something missing from the conversations and yeah. And it is to, I do like the word spirit now very much. Like I, you know, I like, I say heart, but it's not, it's not just heart. It's spirit. It's the spirit, the broken spirit. It's yeah. Yeah. You see it with children. Oh, easily. You can tell their spirit is broke. So all hope is gone. All hope is gone. But hope is another thing. How do you define that? How do you quantify that scientifically? Can you say? Because they're really, you know, the the opposite. Like, I appreciate people like Dick Cheney that will say, yeah, I, I would do it all again. Yeah. Because his worldview is that if I win, I win. And it's better for me and sorry for you. You know, like, what does the lamb, what does the wolf care about what the lamb thinks? You know, but and my my thing is the opposite. Like it's it's just like I wouldn't want you to do that to me, so I'm gonna try not to do it to you know. Of course, but that's a spirit thing, right? And if we can't acknowledge that that even exists, then how do we fix the problem? Because the way they're trying to fix it is not fixing it. No, and it's not fixing it. Even connection isn't the right kind of connection. Often, it's not just you know, connection with a, with a, with a teacher who's trained to say these things to you. Like exactly. Kids, kids aren't idiots, right? Kids can, spirit is something that you, I, I think the feeling of spirit is something that you get from a very early age. You don't need to even have language yet. You feel it. Yes. Extent, right? Exactly. So it's, inter- teacher, it's, it's put in us. Exactly. And if a teacher is saying, the, the right words a child still knows if the if the the, the real connection the spirit is not there right? a child can tell you don't even believe what you're telling me it, that's exactly you, right. you, you have a spirit of being it. full of shit yeah, exactly. <laughs> my exactly. kids call me all, all the time oh, dude yeah. they oh man 
Yeah, so does Jonah. I mean, he's 20 now. He doesn't have to call. But yeah, but yes, he <laughs> he was. It's it's funny. People joke that even by like the time he was six months old, he has this expression that was like, I don't buy this. <laughs> you know? Like we always joke that <clears throat> our friends, by the time Jonah was six months old, wanted his approval more than ours. He had this way of looking at you like, now yeah the filter he's the truth meter you know your story <laughs> that you tell reminds me of one of our heroes ken kesey and one flew over the cuckoo's nest mm-hmm. you know if there's know. something oh gosh yeah yeah you know what i mean oh yeah but i i do want to i know we've been on for a long time but i want to ask you one more question about bullying there's a lot of things i wanted to get to that we didn't get to get to like roller skating we'll have to have you back on <laughs> i'm really disappointed because i can't bring not only these, but like all of my wheels. I have like 16 sets of wheels in here. So please, all the I just briefly say, wait, this is a new, this is Xanadu. This is really cool because it's a skate boutique in Santa Barbara run by a woman named Val, who's a deadhead. It's a deadhead skate boutique. Oh, Santa that's Barbara. Right. That's incredible. We got to get her awesome. to- open she one here so nice. and she they has just, a whole crew of people who skate together who are like deadheads so they just closed the only skating rink here in boca i'm like who closes oh. a skating? but one of the things i wanted to ask you about before we let you go is about the bullying thing yeah. i have and this is just personal for me like i could ask you this on the phone but i think it would help for the our audience to hear it too. I, I really related to when Jerry Garcia said, um, our band is pathologically anti-authoritarian. And I was like, that's why I ended up here. I get, okay. Yes. Circle closed. Now I have a child. Now I have to be authoritarian. The exact thing I would say I've, almost the number one thing in my life that I've fought against is that authoritarian vibe. Yeah. But I have to do it to keep him alive. Or for instance, like this morning to keep him healthy. He loves video games. I let him play a little bit, but I know I have to get him outside. Yeah. And so it has to be a war, like unplugging from that is hard. And I've talked to child psychologists who'd be like, it's okay you have to, it's going to be a little bit of a conflict. But then when I get him outside, he loves it. So I wanted him to ride his bike today. And I was like, but I feel like I'm bullying him. And I'm like, now you're being a bully. Okay, well, change your tone of voice. And I even, I got down on one knee and I said, Nigel, I tried to explain to him, like, I want you, you have to be outside a certain amount. You can't just like do what you want all the time we have to have balance and all this. And then, but he goes, well, you can't force me. And I go, I actually can force you. And I am forcing you'll thank me later. You know, I do all that shit that you'll be grateful later, but it still feels like bullying at the time. It's not, it's not bullying. Bullying is, is nothing like this. And this is, I'm glad you raised this because I, one of the things I want to do in this book is differentiate bullying from other things that people sometimes conflate it with. But bullying is all about the intention behind it, right? Bullying, first of all, bullying always involves more than one person. A lone bully is impotent. They can't do anything. They Mm. need people, right? Right. A lone lone bully is just an asshole, right? Uh, (laughs) That's it. 
So even if he's like way, 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 way bigger than you physically, if, if no one else is on board, yeah, yeah, and and you're not, you're not. No, bullying is about um, siphoning off status from somebody else. It's about acquiring uh, more status by destroying someone else. So yep, yep. the bully gets more status, and the other person has to be disappeared in some way whether they are pushed out of their field or out of the school, or they literally die, you know, that that bully is someone who's, who is unfairly trying to get status by Mm. destroying someone else. And both of those things have to happen. So think about, it's funny because this word authority, I've been thinking about a lot lately because my motto for writing this book, which again is really hard for me, this one has taken four years. That one took 18 months is from the heart with authority. I'm writing this book Mm. from the heart with authority. And what I mean by that is I am the author authority. I'm the author of my story and it's Uh, coming from the heart. And, and what I'm sharing with the science that I'm sharing, I, I have a PhD in this stuff. Like I, I, I'm allowed to feel like an authority on this topic. I am an authority. I've studied it more than anyone else has, right? So, but both things are from the heart and with authority. You are you are parenting yeah. from the heart with authority. Okay, thank you. Because he'll say he'll accuse me of bullying. I just be like, and then I just close from the heart with authority. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that because you—that is what happened to you. Someone else trying to oh, many more of their status by siphoning off yours exactly yeah that's a textbook definition well i want to thank you for for opening up and sharing that stuff for the first time publicly with our with us and our audience because i know that's really i i felt frustrated at times in the last few years with some of the deadheads online i still Uh, trust this community like this community in a way saved me you know, yeah. this is, mm. it was at the very, like it, it, it was, it was at the worst part where we were going to go to Europe for a little while. And my husband who's Australian and had only seen one dead show, which was the last fairly well show. And he's actually in the wow. middle of the picture. Cause he's really tall. It's just hilarious. I'm like your first dead show. And there you are in that J picture yeah. in the, in the, the turquoise shirt anyway. And um, then Bill Walton. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, he's not that tall, but yeah. But anyway, he, um, he said to me, no, we're, we're going on tour. And that, that was 2018. I mean, and I had been seeing tons of shows, but that's when we just dropped everything, rented a truck, just drove and did tour. And it saved my life. It saved my life. Wow. That community saved my life. I call, I don't know if you ever read the salon article I wrote about that, but it's, it's, I did. That I'm going to go find that. And about the, what I, I say, you create, you all create something that I call bounteous presence, you know, among yourselves and then with us. And so then we create it and it, it, it's this, you get these micro moments of love and connection with strangers who you'll never see again. Yeah. And that's okay. You, there's no obligation. Yeah. It's micro love and it's like micro dosing it's micro love and, yeah. and it's, it's across generations and and across all kinds of dimensions of diversity, but that saved me. That community saved me. It took me back to who I am. Nobody ever said, what's your job? Nobody. Yeah. In fact, 
I took a friend to a dead show. She hadn't been to one and some guy was hitting on her and I, and she was like, I'm not comfortable with this. And I said, ask him what he does for work. And she's like, what do you do for work? He was gone so fast. <laughs> wow. I was like, Deadheads don't ask each other. What they do for work. Anyway, sorry. That's so great. Uh, well, genu- I think the psycho yeah. psychiatry and psychology need to really focus on that. Yeah. For all the psychiatry and psychology and your PhDs, uh, it was connection with these people that are frigging strangers yeah. that uh-huh. saves you. Why? They need to figure out how they can uh, describe why in their terms of academia and science and whatever. Like, fine. For sure. But one more thing about this. It's like we define love way too narrowly. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not getting into polyamory. I'm not like I'm just saying love is not just the thing that you feel with your family members and closest friends. I was, you know, back to the tokens. Like, why do I wear this? Yeah. Because if I'm having a bad day, somebody and I'm not my best self, somebody will see it and smile at me or give me the the Jerry sign, you know, with. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And one day I was at a stoplight and I was like, just people were being terrible drivers. And I just looked miserable. And I I looked over and I have a steely on the back of my car and I looked over and a guy, um, sorry, I'm so bad at doing that. Went like this to me and (laughs) And I was like, I'm okay. Right. But that's a micro moment of love. Like that was like, that's love. And sometimes and, that's the thing that'll keep you going. And that's so important. Everywhere. And we are overlooking it. We're missing those moments. They're all around us. They're like everywhere. Seize them. Yeah. That's love. It's Absolutely. love. And so when people are like, people are like, oh, you're not dating anyone. You're alone. You know, to, 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 I feel so bad for single friends because people make them feel like, oh, you must be miserable. Well, no, like I'm yeah. no, I, I find love all the time. Yeah. In these moments. Yeah. It's I find it at the grocery store. It's so funny. Like I was I was wearing one of my professional wrestling t-shirts and one of the guys that was bagging uh, groceries was, you know, I don't know what the correct term that I'm supposed to say. Uh, He was short bus, you know, they have some guys bagging it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I walked by and I and he goes, Roman Reigns, head of the table. He like screamed it out. And I was like, whoa, what is he? And it's just a thing about Rhett. And I was like, oh, oh. I, had to, I had my professional. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And I walked out. Once I got it, once I was not freaked out anymore, you know, I gave him like, yeah, Roman Reigns. Yes. And then I walked out of the store and I was just so lit up. Like, I don't even know if I was feeling that bad, but I was feeling like 75% better than I was before he did that because yeah. it was just this little moment where he was like yeah and i was that's like that's what i mean yeah, that's all know? that's what it's all it about great. that's what it's all about open yeah yep, yep. Yes. absolutely i don't remember the last eight assholes that cut me off in traffic but i remember that yeah exactly and that's the yeah that's the important part is to hold on to those moments and make them the bigger ones instead of Can I thank you guys for doing what you're doing and <sighs> you know, for, for having these conversations, but for, for making music that, that brings that out in people. I, you know, I had Jonah and some of his friends over the other night. God, they're so beautiful. Like the gift of having a kid in music school 
is that you get to hear beautiful music all the time, <laughs> you know, and, and I live four miles away. So I'm the mom who gets to hear that. And they're yeah. out back on the patio, all singing and, play, you know, play, it's beautiful. And I said to them, don't ever let anyone make you think that what you're doing being in music school is not important. It's the most important thing. Yeah. You know, my friend Susan Kane, who wrote Quiet, and also this new book, Bittersweet, which is so much about music. And I think my wife has that book. I think I told her to get it. Oh, okay, Bittersweet. <laughs> you told her so, to get it. I think we texted about that. Um, <laughs> but it... it yeah. She says, and this is sort of full circle, she says, music is the closest thing to God. Yeah. And, and it is that. exactly what we need it's exactly what we need. So don't ever let anyone make you think what you're doing isn't important. We, you're saving us and you've, you all have saved lives. So many lives. I just, I cannot thank you enough. And I'm speaking on behalf of all of my people in the community. So thank well, you. Thank I, you. I appreciate it. You know, we, at my lowest moments, as a musician, when music couldn't save me, I used to go to comedy clubs. <laughs> That's why I think That's, me and Mike are yeah. so, because I was like, dude, comedy saved me from the bottom. He was like, music, music saved, saved me, me from the bottom. Yeah, like, there's, dude, a, there's such perfect. overlap there, isn't there? Well, and, and, and I would just like to say genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for you know, your vulnerability and your, and your yeah, honesty seriously. and your, and, and everything that you provide. And it's, of course. it went right to where it needed to go. And, and just thank you for sticking through and finding yeah. what you needed when you needed it, because, and everybody that is listening or watching needs to know that it's okay from the beginning of what we talked about to the end, embrace the mistakes, embrace yeah. the mm -hmm. fact that we're not perfect. And there's so many things I wish we could have touched on even deeper but yeah this is the first set let's take a set yeah. break and then we'll come We're back and we'll do set. you'll have to come back for second set of Amy. okay i just gotta run to the bathroom i'll be no, right, not right now <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time osiris it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.